It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Well, if it's Friday, the number you want to keep in mind is 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840 because that's the number, toll free, you can call in with a Bible question. And Bert Harper and I, Alex McFarland, we would love to have your question and converse with you about the Word of God on this Fire Away Friday on the American Family Radio Network. So honored that you're listening, and Bert... Uh, I love every day of the week. I've I've loved, we've been up through Proverbs 26, but for a number of years, you and I have kind of kept Friday free just to answer the phone for the entire hour and talk with these awesome people all over the United States and North America. And I just, every day is special, but Fireway Friday is is really special. It is. And matter of fact, when I first came on, we were doing that, but we didn't have a name for it. And we we were talking with, uh, you know, Marvin Sanders because uh, Marvin was still doing the program, but I would I would be the substitute for you or he if you guys were out and started working together. And we came up, what is it? And I said, man, let's do Fire Away Friday. And that name has yeah. stuck. And 10 years later, we're still doing Fire Away Friday. So and make that you, call you, again. You came up with that name, didn't you? I did, and it's been fun to do. And so, well, what happened? Dan Celia would do one that was a little bit different than that. It wasn't Fire Away Friday, but Dan on his financial, uh, he would call it Free for All Friday. And, okay. And so I had a little help from Dan Celia to come up with Fire Away Friday, and it stuck, and we enjoy it. And so make that phone call, as Alex has told you, and the line, we still have lines open. We're going to get to as many calls as we can, 888-589-8840. But, Alex, uh, we get correspondence from all kinds of people, and I heard you got one that was fantastic that well, you wanted to share with us today. I do. You know, I've got I've got 10 questions right here from people that very often they'll send in a question on word at AFR.net. That's W-O-R-D, word at AFR.net. But I've got something, for those of you on video, I'm holding up this picture. And if you're on the internet and you can see on video, this is a pencil drawing. And Bert, uh, I'm not exaggerating, it's a work of art. And this is from our dear friend James... James is at the Boyd Unit, uh, a prison in the Dallas, Texas area, and uh, we've gotten letters from inmates all over America. But James, first of all, James, thank you so much. And they listen, and and not only the Boyd Unit down there in, in Texas, but around the country we've gotten correspondence from inmates, and they gather around the radio, and they listen to Exploring the Word, and they have Bible study. But James, um, this picture he drew, which is of Christians in the arena being fed to the lions, and I mean, it is as good a pencil drawing. Uh, Bert, it's, it's art. I mean, it this is. is so beautiful. And James says... He says, our little team continues to create simple gospel tracks to pass out to the inmates. We're talking about true discipleship. I'm sending you one of our tracks. Thank you for helping keep reaching the world. And he's got 2 Thessalonians 2. And what these inmates are doing, and they graciously shared one, they, uh, on one side of the page, it's a, an explanation of the gospel. And on the other side of the page, it's a beautiful piece of art they've drawn to share the love of Jesus, the message of salvation with their fellow inmates. And James and all of our our, our church, our uh, satellite church down there at the Boyd unit, uh, this blessed my heart. I instantly, the minute I opened the envelope, I called Bert and Brent Austin, and I showed them, and guys, we're praying for you. Amen. And Bert, even though somebody might be behind bars uh, serving some time, the power of God can be with them, and the presence of the Lord can be very real, and they can do ministry, bear 
lasting fruit. Just because somebody's behind bars doesn't mean that they can't be living out brightly for Jesus. Amen. Matter of fact, Paul wrote the book of Philippians, and he was in jail, so he's good company there. And you know what the theme of Philippians is, even in jail? Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. So we rejoice with those guys uh, and others who are inmates who are incarcerated and they've been saved and they're growing in the Lord and ministering where they are. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches, it doesn't say this, but it teaches this. You bloom where you planted. And I would say, God, you're there and you're blooming for the Lord. Alex, we've got lined up. Are you okay going to the phone line since we're all booked up here? Amen. And uh, folks, those that email questions in or sometimes mail them through regular mail, we appreciate that. And sometimes it takes a while, but we we do look at each and every single one of them. We really do. We do. And we answer some. We answer some by email and the others we save for radio. And Alex and I are planning on doing some recording uh, this coming week. And we're going to probably do some Fireway Fridays with those questions. Look forward to it. Let's okay. go to Texas and talk to James. Welcome, James. Hey, guys. Uh, yeah, I tried to get on the, on board with, uh, a couple of weeks ago, but uh, I was like next, and you guys ran out of time. But, um, hey, I was listening to one of your recorded uh, messages uh, or programs like you're talking about now. And remember, um, you're talking about how people are talking about some people say that the res- the uh, crucifixion took place on Thursday or Friday. But yeah, actually, in, in uh, Luke 24, it tells us the day. Uh, it, you know, the first in Luke 24, it says on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, you know, that Mary went to the tomb. And then you go a bit little further down, and she went and told, you know, Peter and him, and it says Peter in verse 12 that Peter ran to the tomb, and he saw, you know, that uh, Jesus wasn't there. And then verse 13 says, now that same day, two of them were joining or going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And as they were talking with each other about everything that happened, it says, as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself came up and walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And, of course, Jesus asked him, well, what are you guys talking about? And they start talking about, or you know, uh, where have you been? Are you, you know, it says, do you not know these things have happened these, in these days? And Jesus says, what things? So they explain to him. And then it says right here, verse 21. He, this is in verse 20, verse 21. It says that we'd hope that he was the only one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all this took place. So if that's Sunday, Obviously, Friday was the day of the crucifixion. There is no, there is no Thursday. It can't be, and it says it right there. James, way to go! Hey, uh, you're our guest commentator on exploring the Word today, Alex. That, that is the way you do Bible study. Follow Amen. isn't. I mean, that's a perfect example. All of you listening, at you looking at word. You're not looking at one word or one sentence. You're looking at it in context. And yeah. way to go, Alex. That's that, awesome. James, you know, Scripture unveils Scripture. And, you know, I just, I think we need to send you a 100 questions book. James, you, you get an A for the day, and if if uh, Brent or Robert could get your contact info, I'll put you a 100 questions book in the mail. Okay. That'll be our thanks. Put him on hold there, if you could, and get James so he can talk to uh, to Robert so we can get that info. James, way to go. Thank you so, so much. Uh, got him on hold yet, guys? If if not, we'll try to do that. Okay. That was good. Yeah. Let's go to Iowa and talk to Laura. Laura, welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi. Yes. Thank you for calling. I have a, I have a question about dinosaurs. Okay. Were they real? Were they not real? Oh, man. They are real as they could be. I didn't say yeah. can be, but... They were as real as they could have been. Uh, they were real. They, they're not made up. And uh, now some of the different models, uh, they've stretched some of them. They've got a bone here and a bone there, and they put piece it together. Uh, but, yes, there was dinosaurs. Alex, the question is, where do they fit in? They Do you think they were some dinosaurs on the ark? Well, yeah, I do. You know, and by the way, dinosaurs were absolutely real, and I actually think there are living creatures today that we would 
say, fit in the family of dinosaurs yeah. like Gila monsters and, in a way, alligators and crocodiles. Because, do you know, the um, uh, you know, dinosaur really means terrible lizard. Uh, but the majority of them like the Tyrannosaurus rex and the Velociraptors and the different ones uh, died out in the flood of Noah. In fact, when I was in the Grand Canyon for 11 days in 2014, we saw a, a T-Rex fossil. Now, the flood involved not only water coming from the sky, but the Bible says, quote, the foundations of the great deep broke loose, and there was mud and water and silt that was uh, spewn into the air. And Bert, what made all those fossils is rapid burial and intense pressure. And do you know what? Even though Mount St. Helens uh, in the upper northwest ev- uh, erupted in 1980, which is only you know 43 years ago, there are fossils that were made, fossilized trees and some other things, animals too. And those fossils look like what scientists would say, quote, are billions of years old. Now, I don't believe that. But the, the vast, vast majority of the dinosaurs died in the flood, and the mud and the burial of the flood is what caused the fossils that I think, uh, through the uh, influence of Charles Darwin, the evolutionists mistakenly think are billions and millions of years old. And there was dinosaurs on the ark, but they were probably smaller uh, dinosaurs in the reptile, they keep on growing. They don't they, they don't reach a certain t- uh, size and then stop. They keep on growing. So he could have had different thing, different dinosaurs on the ark. But after they got off the ark, I believe the, I, I call it the greenhouse effect because uh, that stopped. They did not survive. They, they became extinct like woolly mammoths and others. And uh, so but you're talking about. Dra- uh, you know, Dinosaurs Day, the best example of that is the Como Dragon. It, oh, yes. man, yeah. Man, that it looks just like a dinosaur, a smaller version, but yes. Yeah. So I, what I said they could be, when you think about it that way, yeah, they're with us today. Thank you, Laura. Let's go to Arkansas. Jack, welcome. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, you're on, brother. Yes. Thank you for calling on this Friday. Okay, question in revelations about the uh where you talked about the books alive i'd like to know what books of life uh, books of heaven books of heaven okay yeah great question you're going to hold on jack if you don't mind if you want to you can hang up we can we've got it and we can answer that question on the other side of the break the book of life the lamb's book of life how do they fit in are they all part of heavens uh what god has to store for us? Well, we'll find out when we come back on more of Exploring the Word. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Nuria Fernandez, Acting Administrator of the Federal Transit Administration. Her agency provides financial and technical assistance to local public transportation systems. 1 Peter 4.10 reminds us of the importance of serving others. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide Nuria Fernandez in her work at the Department of Transportation. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. A nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, go to pausetopray.org. Colossians 1.17 says that in Jesus, all things hold together. So Dr. Tony Evans asks, why do we often feel like our lives are coming apart? He'll give us a new and healthier perspective to consider as we spend two minutes with Tony. This is a complicated universe. Those of you who are into science know many of the statistics that the earth spins on its axis fast enough that we don't feel it, but not too fast that we're hurled off of it. It rotates around the sun close enough so that we can have four seasons, not too close that we burn to death, not too far that we freeze. Perfect synergism. If Jesus Christ can hold 
all the matter in the universe, all the molecules that make up all the matter in the universe, all the atoms that make up all the molecules that make up all the matter in the universe, and all of the nuclei and particles of the atom that make up the atom, that make up all of the molecules, that make up all of the matter that is responsible for everything that exists in the universe, can he hold your life together too? That's all I, that's all I wanna know. If he's that good at holding things together, then maybe you ought not panic so quickly. <laughs> maybe you ought not throw in the towel so easily. Maybe this same God who keeps universes intact can keep you covered too. You get the drift. Learn more about strengthening your connection to Jesus and discover the benefits of a life committed to Him. Check out Tony's CD series, Pursuing Christ, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. As it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love Him. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 9. American Family Radio. Welcome back. Oh, I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard the tender I want to thank Brent Austin. I made that request uh, a few weeks ago. I said, Brent, there's a song that I dearly love, and he played it for us today. He is a good, good father. That's exactly Amen. who he is. He cannot deny himself. Alex, I get every time we sing that in church, I, I have to admit, uh, I, I got a little excitement in me. I, I just nearly start dancing and holding up my hands. He is a good, good father, isn't he? Well, and, and you know, as you count your blessings, and this is with me, uh, the more you think about how good God has been to us and how the Lord has been so good to us, and then you are reminded of something else, and God's been so gracious to us. Bert, i got to tell you, late last night I was driving in the car, and I was just praying and praising, and I just got emotional and started to cry <laughs> because I just I was overcome trying to take it in and and yeah. really internalize how good God is to us, isn't he? He is. That's what was neat about Asbury and Cedarville and others. Uh, it was an emotion that was running the, it was the spirit of God and then responding to him with emotions. And, mm -hmm. and that's exactly what you do. We respond to him. He is a good, good father. And because of who he is, what he's done, what he's going to do, brother, so anyway, mm -hmm. hey, Jack was calling from Arkansas. Jack, let me restate this, make sure it's right. Uh, you want to know about the books, the different books that are in heaven that God opens up, the book of life, the Lamb's book of life, and uh, the idea of can you be blotted out. So yeah. is that close to right, Jack? Yeah, it's pretty close, but I've read what Dr. Williamton said about it. Uh, he oh, yeah, Dr. Williamton. Books of heaven. Okay. Alex, yeah. you, you've studied under Dr. Wilmington. Can you go ahead oh, yeah. with that first? Yeah, let's talk about this for a minute. Um, imagine you've, you, you've been invited to a wedding, and there's a, a wonderful dinner and a reception, and you're w walking up to the person at the door, and, and they'll say, you know, who is it? And you say, well, you know, you give your name, and they look, and they say, oh, yes, you're on the guest list. Well, in Revelation 19, it says that God has invited people to the great supper, the marriage supper of the Lamb, right? And you're on the guest list. Now, in Luke 10, 20, Jesus sent the believers out, and they came back, and they said, wow, even the demons are subject to us. And he said, well, don't rejoice that you are uh, got power over evil spirits. 
Luke 10, 20, rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Your names are written in heaven. So if you're a born-again believer, you're, you're on Jesus' guest list for the marriage supper of the Lamb. But if you go to Revelation 20, uh, the dead, small, and great, Revelation 20, uh, 12, 13, and 14, and verse 13 says the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things written in the books, plural, according to their works. Now, the record is what this literally means. All of the sin, all right, first of all, there's the guilt of Adam and Eve, the imputed unrighteousness of Adam and Eve. Then there are our sinful deeds, every lie, every, you know, you um, cl- you know clock out early, but you get paid for a full day. I mean, there's a lot of sin that, that the human race is guilty of. And it says in Revelation 20, verse 15, And whosoever was not found written in the book of life, was cast in the lake of fire. Folks, the, the thing that you should be most grateful for, if you're a believer and there's been that moment when you said, Dear Jesus, save my soul, like Luke ten twenty, rejoice that your name is written in Jesus' book of life. Now, Bert, the question has been asked, um, was everybody's name in it and then it got blotted out? Um you and I, yet earlier today, we were talking about a caller who referenced incorrectly when sin comes into our life. Bert, I, I really do that uh, believe that children, before the age of accountability, or maybe people that are mentally handicapped, they are under God's grace. I mean, God is not going to demand that an infant or a child make a faith decision that it would be impossible for them to comprehend and make. Right. But um, Revelation 20.15, whoever was not found in the book of life was cast in the lake of fire. Here's what we definitively know, and I'm going to throw it back to you, Bert. Folks, when the names get erased, or if they get erased, or if God never put them in the, the book of life because he knew they would reject, the Bible is not completely clear, but here's what I definitively know. I know how you can be certain that your name is in the Lamb's Book of Life by calling out to Jesus, even right this minute. Amen. And if you need help doing that, there's a number you can call. We There are partners in ministry. It's 1-800-NEED-HIM. 1-800-NEED-HIM. Uh, you're not sure. You're wondering if you're right with God, if you're born again. Call them and let them talk with you and pray with you. That's what they do. That's their ministry. And we. that's the reason we don't have it here at AFR uh, we have those partners, and that's what AFR d- tries to do so well is partner with others so we don't duplicate what others are doing but join in and promote what they're doing. So give that call, 1-800-NEED-HIM. Jack, thank you for calling. Let's go to North Carolina and talk to Sandra. Sandra, I noticed you called yesterday and we didn't get to you. Thank you for calling back. Well, thank you for taking my call. Yes, ma'am. What well, i got to ask this. I- you're, I know you're from North Carolina. Alex is. Where Where in North Carolina are you from? Not too far from Alex. I'm in Burlington. Okay. Oh, okay. Over there where they have Zach's hot dogs, right? <laughs> yeah, that's where they are. <laughs> All right. Thank you well, for God calling, Sandra. You. Go ahead. Okay. I I want to know what it means for us to have been made in the image of God. Okay. While we're there, let me promote something. We have a, a, a audio video ministry in his image that you can watch online in his image. You can watch it or you can order it from the Resource Center at HFR, and it's a perfect thing, and it tells you about our identity, uh, who we are in in our creation and who we are. But in the image of God, it doesn't mean we are made exactly like God, but Alex, uh, a lot of disagreement on that, but in, I've, I've narrowed it down to this. And when you have questions like we just had about the books and all of those, and you, you look at it and say, well, it's not completely clear. In the image of God, it he has made us so we can have communion with him. I know mm-hmm. it means that. The animals can't, plants can't, no other kind of life that he created was made where they could have communion with our creator but he made us so we could. 
That, that's true. The two key passages would be Genesis one twenty seven and Genesis five one and two. So Genesis one twenty seven, Genesis five one and two. You know, uh, a number of people like C.S. Lewis and others have remarked that because all human beings are made in the likeness in the image of God, Bert, that's why murder is so especially heinous, because when you murder another human being, you're, you're essentially defacing and showing contempt for the one whose image they bear. For, for God. Now, what does it mean? Thomas Aquinas, he lived 1225 to 1274, he said this, he said, you and I can, can manifest an attribute, but God is that attribute. It, now, we can show love, but God is love. You and I might have some knowledge and wisdom, but God is omniscient. He knows everything, right? Um, God is omnipotent. Now, so Bert, at, at least in these ways, we are analogous or like God. We have personality. Well, God is a person. He's a personal God. We have mind and intellect, but God has all knowledge. Uh, we have a will. We can make choices, and God is a God who makes choices, but always right choices. Now, let me say this. We have a spirit we will live everlastingly. You know, we often say eternal life, but if we want to be really technically precise, we are not everlasting, only God is, but we do live eternally. We were born, and we will live forever, either in heaven or hell. We have a spirit. God is eternal, everlasting spirit. So in a way, Bert, I, th- I think we're made in God's image for two reasons. One, so that we can have relationship with God. And we legitimately can have, if we choose to open our heart to Jesus, we can have a relationship to God. But in a way, we're, we're a picture, but God is the original, <laughs> you know? Amen. We're, we're like, um, you know, uh, a replica, but God is the archetype. The, the real McCoy. Okay, let me add this. In His Image, if you want to see it, you can go to inhisimage.movie, inhisimage.movie, and, and Brent's going to put it up on our Facebook page, and that way you can, if you forget it, you can find out how to do it. It is worth your time. Let me add one thing real quickly, uh, and Dr. Adrian Rogers, a great source, we and Adam was created body, soul, and spirit, the, yes. th- the three, the trinity. Now, what happened? The day you eat of this fruit, you shall surely die. Now, he didn't die bodily. He didn't die soulishly. But spiritually, he died. And so someone has said, you know, man, kind, was made in the image of God. But after that, we were made in the image of Adam as far as our created because our spirit, we've got to be what? Born again. Now, that's just that's a little play on words, but it is true. But body, soul, and spirit, we are able to commune and communicate and have that relationship with God. So I know it has to do with that, that we're able to talk with him. Great, great question. Let's go to Tennessee and talk to Monty. Monty, welcome. Guys, I have so enjoyed y'all all all these years since Marvin Sanders came to Culpeper back in, uh, I think he's 93 or 94. (laughs) Great memory, brother. Thank you, Monty. Yes. Well, well, I I pray that I can come to Tupelo and do a a telethon or something that will bless you. I was in Louisiana. I got my master's down there in in, uh, 73. But I have a question without going on too much of my history. And I've had Wake Forest and Gardner-Webb in my uh, school, schoolings and also the University of Virginia. But my question is reference to we have the covenants in the Bible, and uh, I just noticed I went on uh, on the uh, website. I could find some of this out. But when we refer to the responsibility that Adam was given when he was uh, given life, and I think he breathed nitric oxide in his nostrils because he didn't breathe it into his uh, into his mouth, meaning that how. Do we equate in marriages that I have eight children, didn't get married until 41, wife decided to divorce and go her way. And I said, you know, we have a covenant and a responsibility. How do we relate what in modern times is called uh, till death do us part and in sickness 
and in uh, what is it? Uh, in sickness, sickness and, and in health. So help, yes. Yes, ma'am. Yep. Uh, yeah. How do we relate that to how that was handed down? Because biblically, there was no such thing as a piece of paper or some document that said you were married. But I've just always told wife, even seven years later, it was separated and now divorced, according to her. How do we explain that that's our responsibility? And how did it come to be said like that in people's vows? Okay, Monty, thank great, thoughtful question. It is one man for one woman for life. Out of that comes the idea that our desire and what we desire is to stay married until we die, one of us dies. That is, it, it's a covenant with God with that desire and speaking that in mind, Alex. You know what I mean? Uh, mm-hmm. Because they are, Jesus said, except for the cause of adultery, and and we know that. And so uh, there are those that get in the way of God's design. But God's design first was unto death do us part. Go ahead, Alex. Yeah, many have said that, and, and rightly so, that marriage is a covenant. And, you know, it, it's interesting in Genesis um, 2, you know, Adam and Eve are put together, but really, and, and they, they were married, uh, but after the fall, um, you read in Genesis 3, and this is after the fall in verse 16, God talks about um, your pain will be increased in childbearing, and verse 20 of Genesis 3, and this is after the fall, unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord make coats of skin, and Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all the living. And Eve bore children, and Genesis 4 goes on. Here's the thing. We say, till death do us part. And I think, um, on the one hand, it reflects commitment on the part of those entering the marriage bond, the marriage covenant. But really, because of the fall, in a way, they were saying, well, now it is death that will part us. Um, Prior to the fall, I mean, there was no hint that Adam and Eve would ever separate, and, and they didn't. But Adam and Eve, speaking of in in his image, look, we humans are made in God's image. Every marriage is conducted in Adam and Eve's image. You know, that was to be a lifelong partnering and commitment, and every marriage is. Every marriage is. And Bert, the word covenant, yes, it's something that brings grace into the life of the uh, people that enter the covenant. But a covenant, you're saying, I'll die before I let this bond get dissolved. Marriage ought to be that way. It should be. We're praying. What a time to have marriages that work in the United States. It is a testimony of the grace of God. We'll be back with more questions right after this break. What does the American Family Association stand for? AFA upholds the truth that all human beings, including the unborn, are created in the image of God and are worthy of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us. This is Frank Gaffney, host of Securing America, a program dedicated to protecting the country we love against all enemies, foreign and domestic, to the glory of God and His kingdom. Each weeknight at 11 p.m. Eastern Time, we provide insights and recommendations about the most important challenges facing our nation from her most thoughtful experts and patriots. Join me to learn how you can help in Securing America right here at 11 p.m. Eastern Time. Here are Tim and Riley Wildman for the AFA Foundation. Riley, what is your title? The director of AFA Foundation. One of the best ways you can have income for the rest of your life and know that uh, you will be supporting the ministry of American Family Association is to... To give a gift to American Family Association and American Family Radio. Do you also deal with people who want to leave AFA in their wills? Yes, sir. That's exactly why they call. And that's why we also have another option besides a charitable gift annuity. People sometimes also call and do an outright gift or also leave us in their will. Now, when anyone calls in 
and asked to talk to you ladies. Will all of them talk in a southern accent like you do? Yes, they will. (laughs) Call Riley Wildman at the AFA Foundation, 800-326-4543, extension 345, or visit afafoundation.net. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Alicia Messing, an Arizona teacher, testified before the Arizona Senate Education Committee to protest Senate Bill 1700, which would amend the state's existing education laws to give parents the right to review and remove inappropriate books from libraries and classrooms. During her testimony, Messing said, I have a master's degree. What do parents have? We must remember that the purpose of public education is not to teach only what parents want their children to be taught. It is to teach them what society needs them to be taught. According to Messing, teachers trump parents. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. This is Fireway Friday. We do our best to get as many questions in, and we'll continue to do that. The number is 888-589-8840. Alex and Bert, so honored you're listening. We would love to pick up the phone and hear from you. So, Bert, uh, with whom do we speak at this point? Let's go to Indiana and talk to Deb. Welcome, Deb. Hi. How are you? Thank you for calling. Yes, thank you. I have a quick question. You've probably had it before, but believer's baptism, is that part of salvation, or is it separate from salvation? I believe it's separate, but I have some of the belief that it is part of, and I need a backup. And then is, can this be found in y'all's book, um, The 100 Bible Questions and Answers? Okay. Deb, let me ask that. Alex, you remember what questions. you got a great memory, but there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and we had somebody call in that the other day. The real, the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens at the moment of salvation. That is necessary. In other words, another word for that is the indwelling Spirit of God coming in us. Uh, no one can say Jesus is Lord apart from the Holy Spirit leading them and indwelling them and mean that. They can utter those words, but you cannot mean it. Water baptism, sometimes referred to as believer's baptism, because uh, in some of the church early churches, they were having infant baptism, and then when they would get saved, they said, I've already been baptized, and they said, no, that's where Anabaptists came from, basically, that's how they got their name. Rebaptized. Yeah, rebaptized. It was believer's water baptism, and so, but the main one you that's necessary for salvation is the Holy Spirit of God indwelling us. Now, it, ne- it doesn't necessarily mean accompanied by anything except his presence. Alex, his presence in our life at that point brings the power. The presence of Holy Spirit brings his assurance. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit in our life that makes all the difference, isn't it? Well, it is. It is. And, you know, um, we've said this a time or two, but the New Testament uses the word baptism in a couple of ways, like Galatians 3.27. Galatians 3.27 says that if we're a believer, we have been, quote, baptized into Christ. So we're immersed in Christ. Now, that's not water baptism. That's, uh, you know, being baptized like the Ethiopian eunuch was. Uh, And Acts 16.31, the family of the jailer was they believed and then were baptized. But, Bert, I, I agree with the caller that water baptism is not part of the saving gospel. The saving gospel is that we put our trust in Christ. But one of the ways, and there are many ways, but one of the ways that we publicly profess the faith 
that we have put in Jesus is that we identify with the church and with Christ, and we are water baptized. But it's not the water baptism that saves, it's the faith in Jesus. By the way, the book that Deb's referring to is 100 Questions and Answers, and you can go to the Resource Center here at AFA, and you can get that, and it's still uh, for sale for those that would like to. Do you remember if that question, one of those questions, was that one, Alex? I don't remember. Oh, it, it is. It's in there because okay. we, we get it a lot. We do. Okay, Deb, thank you for calling. Let's go to Virginia and talk to Bryce. Welcome, Bryce. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Yes. Uh, my question is, um, so I understand, according to the Bible, that there are only two uh uh, ways of um, that are biblically sound for divorce, domestic violence, and sexual adultery. You know, uh, infidelity. So, could could you please define what is emotional infidelity, and is that supported anywhere in the Bible? Okay, great question, and and I mean that, Bryce. I, when I, I saw those words and I heard those words, I, I could not help but think they've committed adultery in their heart. Now, again not following through with actions physically, but he was saying, it shows you how wicked we are in before salvation. And it shows you how unfit we are, Alex, just to, mm-hmm. you know, we're not worthy of salvation, but God thought we were worth saving. And, uh, I, but emotional, the, the Bible does not condone emotional adultery if you're talking about committing adultery in your heart right. but it doesn't set it up for reasons for divorce would that be accurate? right right and matthew 19 verse 9 and others jesus said you know if you put away your spouse except for the cause of fornication you commit sin um and so throughout history and certainly church history the bond the covenant of marriage was broken when the vow was broken and sexual immorality was committed with another person. But what makes the times in which we live so um, just challenging is, I mean, you've got texting and social media, and there are many ways for people to do things hidden and secretive. And there's so many things that man has built around us to inflame those ungodly passions, you you know? Um, But let me say this. Um, I think we we are called to do our utmost, whether it be counseling, whether it be uh, a retreat or whatever. I think we have to try to save our marriages if if a marriage is in trouble. I will say this, though. um, If if one partner walks away, and Dr. Dobson used to say there's adultery, abuse, and abandonment. Now, Dr. Dobson, when I was working for Focus on the Family, he didn't teach us that an emotional... Because, um, look, we, we said there's emotional adultery. We don't know what goes on in a, another person's heart. But um, adultery, abandonment, abuse, the marriage bonds are broken, and the, the party left behind is is no longer bound. Do you believe that, Bert? I believe it with all my heart. But let me just share with you. On all of those, don't be too quick to say, oh, it's over. <laughs> I, all I can say is don't don't go to the divorce lawyer the first thing. Now, you may have to go there and separate some things because of, of, of you know, finances. And I understand that because I know a lot of people who have been financially hurt because they didn't want to get the divorce. And they said no. And the other, the spouse not having any qualms was putting everything on them and the debt put them in. So you may have to do some things, but don't be too quick to dissolve the marriage. You know what I mean, Alex? God, I've seen God work, and and I'm saying this with all my heart. I've seen God work in, I I would say, you know, unbelievable ways. That which was unreconcilable became reconcilable because of the mercy and grace of God. So uh, be reluctant to to do that. Don't make it. Oh boy, I get to. No, uh, it's something that would I would be, say is driven to. Let mm. with a so I think Julie from Tennessee has a question similar to that. Julie, go ahead and welcome. What part of Tennessee are you from, by the way, Julie? Um, I'm near Memphis. Tennessee, okay. Well, West, that, West yeah. Tennessee. 
Well, what's going to happen north of Memphis is something called uh, Truth for a New Generation. Uh, that's in at Paris, Tennessee, isn't it, Alex? It is, uh, April 21 through 23. We would love for you to be there. And Bert will be there, Abe Hamilton, uh, Will and Mickey Addison, myself. It's for all ages, and it's it's going to be great. And you can sign up, and space is limited. We've got incredible music. We've got incredible content. Truth for a New Generation, Paris, Tennessee, April 21 through 23. So, Julie, hope you can come. And if you do yeah. come, make sure you come up and speak to, to us. Okay. <laughs> okay. My my question is, um, okay, I was the one that walked away from the marriage and got divorced. Um, I'm also in a relationship now where he walked away from his marriage and got divorced. And does that mean we shouldn't, you know, we can't, we can't ever marry again or you know it's kind of hard to think about the fact that you can't actually say those words anymore because i didn't do it i did not stay till death do us part and all that so okay does that mean you stay single for the rest of your life and live in sin for the rest of your life okay so thank you julie for having confidence in us let me just share with you if we, Alex and I both, if we were in a counseling room, there would be a lot of questions we would go through yeah. that we can't go through on the radio. But I do want to ask one, is your, is your husband, has he remarried? Is he still single? The husband I was with is, is actually he remarried, and, but now he's, his wife died. So actually he's single now, and his wife is still single too. Okay, but he did remarry. You'd have to ask the same thing about the guy that you're seeing. Alex, uh, I, for, okay, Julie, I want to say something, and I, I hope it doesn't come across harsh. Uh, the Apostle Paul, he said uh, he, he was single, and he said if you can remain single, you can serve the Lord. Being single is not a curse, and I, I don't know how else to say that, Alex. I hope I'm not coming across as harsh mm-hmm. and mean. If I am, I, I don't mean to, but uh, that's what Paul, Paul remained. Either he wasn't single. Some people think he was married and his wife left and he remained single, but he was single serving the Lord. Julie, that is not a curse if that is the slot God has for you. Go ahead, Alex. Well, uh, we do thank you for having the confidence to pose this question to us, and I realize these are very, very um deep subjects and even hard decisions that come along with these subjects. But I'm going to say this, the most important relationship in your life is the Lord Jesus Christ. And um, I'm not speaking specifically to your situation, Julie, but um, some people understand, look, if I could go back, I would have done some things differently, uh, but we can't, and we we repent, and we say, God, forgive me, and where we are, we move forward— uh, committed to make godly decisions, even though those might be hard decisions. Now, there I've counseled with people, and they said, you know what? Um, my marriage broke up. There, there's no fixing it. As C.S. Lewis once said, you can't unscramble an egg. People get remarried. Uh, but, you know, I mean, there is at least the possibility of reconciling with your former spouse um, it, now, if that's something wise to pursue, um, because look, when there have been sin and bad decision and things that played out contrary to God's biblical design, Bert, uh, sometimes we can go back and pick up the pieces. Sometimes we simply can't. And we say, Lord, cleanse me, fill me, send me, and moving forward, um, the lordship of Jesus will be a little more preeminent than it was the first time. Uh, this is going to be a season where you're going to need to be really searching, hearing from the voice of God. But here's my my challenge. Make sure that Jesus is number one in your life. Uh, and I mean no, no contenders at all. Jesus is number one. And it may just be that you're espoused to Christ for the rest of your life. But, Bert, I really do think that we in the church, had we, of all people, should take 
marriage with utmost seriousness because it is a holy covenant before God. It is. Let me just share this. Someone that I was very close to, they're going to glory now. Their husband left them, deserted them, went and lived otherwise, and, and then finally married. They never married. They stayed single. And you taught them about a full life, difficult, yes, a blessed life, yes, one that God used tremendously, yes. It's probably used her greater being single than she could have been used married at that point right, in her right. life. And mm-hmm. so, Julie, we're, we're praying for you. Everybody, this is a prayer time, too. Write Julie's name down, if you would, and say, let's pray for Julie. Julie, follow the Lord. And we've given you advice, but you've got to let God guide you in that, and we hope he will. we got time for one more question, and it's Steve in Texas. Welcome, Steve. Well, thank you so much for taking my call. Yes, sir, uh, brother. Thank I, you. I have a question about soul and spirit. I uh, I find it a, an un, a hard concept to grasp the difference between the two because I know my emotions and my thoughts come from my soul, and the spirit is how God communicates with me. But if you could help explain it to me, and then also for more, because I'm kind of a heady guy, do you have any uh, reference materials that are a book that I might buy that would help me understand? Thank you, Steve. Let me share this with you. My dad didn't have a large education, but he had a biblical knowledge. He explained it to me this way, Steve. He said, plants have a physical life. You can see them grow. Animals have a two life. They have a physical life and a psychic or a soulishless life. Uh, if you've ever been around a horse, man, that horse, uh, it really has a temperament. It really does. It has that soul. But they cannot commune with God. Now, that's what happens. The spirit, once it's been made alive, we can commune with God. His spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God, not our soul, but our spirit. Alex, take it away. Well, you have asked one of the best questions, and Bert, I think this is one of the most um, underrepresented topics that we really ought to teach on. Uh, Sir, let me reference you to 1 Thessalonians 5.23. And um, if we get your contact info, I've got a little pamphlet on this. But it says that God sanctifies our body, soul, and spirit. The, uh, the body is soma. That's the word for that. Your spirit, pneuma. Your, that's the part of you that lives forever. And your psyche or soul, your mind, your will, your emotions. And bro, the thing is they all overlap. And I really do believe Jesus redeems all three, body, soul, and spirit. Amen. He does. And the Word of God, you're talking about it, it's hard to separate. far as the Bible says, basically the only thing that separates them is the Word of God. So I mm, don't think yeah. we'll ever understand it in our minds. It is one that is the Word of God. Steve, thank you for calling. Thank all of you for calling. Go to church at a church mm. and praise God this weekend. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.